to walk with God. And I hope that is the theme of your life, that you are walking with the Lord every day. But uh, we're going to use a couple different passages this morning. I've included a lot of them in your outline, and, and because we have many verses, we'll be moving around so you can follow along there with your lesson and also with the, the Word of God. But the, the, uh, the thought about this matter of walking with God, I think of, we've looked at a lot of character traits in David's life. And of course, I always appreciate character studies in the Bible. I know it helps me to, to try to either pattern my life after or it helps me to understand I shouldn't do what that person did and uh, to learn from the mistakes of others. But out of all of David's character traits that I think was most admirable was David's walk with God. And this is something that all of us need. David had a heart, the Bible describes, his heart yearned after God. And I think that's what set him apart in his life. His relationship, and listen to this, the, David's life was founded upon his relationship with God. Uh, we tell people all the time, the most important thing in your life is your personal walk with God. Uh, because, listen, day in and day out, the trials you face, the things you go through, what's going to get you through the day and get you through the Christian life is your relationship with God. Uh, there has to be a nurturing, growing, a, a vibrant relationship there. And, uh, you know, the, the Bible describes the church in the book of Revelation that they had left their first love. Sometimes that happens in a Christian's heart. We kind of get... Uh, indifferent to the things of God. We kind of get used to going to church. We kind of get used to reading our Bibles. Listen, let's keep this love affair with God going. Uh, let's, let's make sure that it's something that is active, that it is the foundation. Listen, everything that David was and everything that David did, it was all because of the foundation that had been laid, and that was his relationship with the Lord. Listen, I know you you have a relationship with the Lord or you wouldn't be in Sunday school this morning. So I'm, I'm kind of teaching this lesson to, you know, kind of preaching to the choir this morning. But I think it's something that all of us need to hear again and again and again is that we need to be walking with God. Now there's, the Bible describes, of course, Old Testament, but one verse, even in the New Testament, in the book of Acts chapter 13, look what the Bible says there about David. Here's a little testimony where the Bible says in that verse, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Now, what was it about David's heart? And that's, I think that's the key, because what does the Bible say? Out of the heart comes what? The issues of life. You know, it's so important that we guard our hearts. Uh, that we don't allow things into our hearts that ought not to be there. And David was a man after God's own heart. In other words, what, what God loved, David loved. What God thought was important, David thought was important. I think that ought to be said of us too, is that we need to have a heart after God. So notice three aspects about David's heart. In the first, it begins with this, that David knew God. He knew God. Now, there's a, difference from, uh, there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Are you listening to me this morning? Okay. There's a difference between knowing about and knowing. 
because, you know, years ago, I, I don't really know who the preacher was, but he preached a famous message, and the title of his message was 18 Inches Between Heaven and Hell. And the reason he preached that message was because he estimated it's about 18 inches from your brain to your heart. And see, there's a lot of people that have a head knowledge about God, but they don't have a heart knowledge. They really don't know him. They don't love him the way they should. And David, listen, David was a man that knew God. Notice how, da how David knew God. He knew God, first of all, personally. Now, if you have your notes there and your Bible open to Psalm 23, look at this wonderful psalm, and it's just six little verses. But uh, this is Now, when, when do you hear Psalm 23 the most? funerals, right? Do you know this really isn't a funeral psalm? <laughs> there is so much in Psalm 23, and I want you to see the first three verses really talk about David's knowledge, how, God, how he knew God personally, and look what he writes here in verse number one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside the still waters, he restoreth my soul, he, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When I look at these words here, I realize to David that the Lord was not just a shepherd, the Lord was his shepherd. Do you hear the difference? See, there's a lot of shepherds in David's day, but, but the Lord was his shepherd. He, he was the shepherd that took care of everything that David needed personally. I mean, when you look at this, he writes how the Lord had personally led him, how the Lord had personally provided for him. He was talking here about how the, per, the, the Lord, as his shepherd, had personally restored him, how his shepherd had guided him. Look, the Lord had delivered David out of the paw of the lion and the bear and out of the hand of the Philistine. God had been there for David personally, and the wonderful thing about it was, it was such a personal relationship that David had with God that everybody that was around David knew that the Lord was his personal God, that David knew him personally. I wonder if that could be said of you today, said of me, people around us that they know by being around us that we personally know God. Paul wrote about it in his day as he wrote under inspiration. Listen to Philippians 3.10 there in your notes, these words, that I may know him. Now notice the rest of the verse, what he's talking about here. He says, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his what? Sufferings. Paul wanted to know everything about the Lord personally, including what Jesus went through, being made conformable unto his death. Paul had an overwhelming desire to know God. Listen, I hope that's what you want in your life is, I want to know more about God today than I knew about him yesterday. And the only way you're gonna, that's going to happen is you have to spend time with him. Uh, you have to be with him to get to know him personally. And if we walk with him, guess what's going to happen? We will know him personally, all right? So David knew God personally, but secondly, David knew God intimately. Now go back to Psalm 23, look at those last three verses, and notice the intimate walk that David had with God. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of what? Death. Death. I will fear no evil, 
for thou art with me. Boy, if you're in the habit of underlining things in your Bible, there's a good phrase right there. So David says, no matter what I'm going through, my darkest days, my, my greatest trials, he says, look, I don't have to fear because he says, you're with me, you're walking with me. He says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I mean, David's knowledge of God, guess how that knowledge came about? Through trials, difficulties, suffering. David says, look, it's during those times that I intimately got to know my God. A lot of times we look at difficulties in our lives, trials, and we tend to think bad things. I know there's been times in uh, my wife and in my, uh, our lives, uh, personally and in ministry, when we've gone through some very difficult times, and many of you have too. But I feel that those times actually drew us closer to God. We got to know Him better during those times, and it's helped us to be where we are today because the Lord was with us. We got to know Him intimately. It wasn't just when people talked about God that I just felt like He was some distant entity that I really couldn't know. I got to know Him intimately. When things are going smoothly in our lives, what do we do? We take God for granted. We, we do that oftentimes. We get comfortable in our lives. We kind of get in what I would call like a spiritual rut. You know, listen, I'm glad you're here this morning, but did you come this morning to get to know God more intimately, to walk with God? David had storms in his life. Certainly he did. He writes here of this valley of the shadow of death. And it, while David was going through that, David got to know God in a different way. He learned that David, he didn't have to fear. Why? Because God was with him. You know, it's a wonderful thought this morning that you're not alone. I texted a man this week and I said, listen, I know you're going through something, but can I remind you that you are not alone? See, God goes with us during these times. We get to understand and get to know him intimately. And when David wrote about his intimate walk with God, he mentions two things in this psalm, and I want you to look at verse number four again. He says in the end of that verse, thy rod and thy staff. He mentions two, two items here. And notice what he says about them, they comfort me. Now, I, I spent a little time again this week thinking about that. David spoke of God's rod. You know, a lot of us have been Christian for quite a while and maybe even growing up as a child, we understand what the Bible, when it describes a rod, what a rod's intent is. Now, many times you think of the word discipline, spare the rod, spoil the child. And a lot of times people don't like to think of it that way, but listen, the rod of God is something that God uses in our lives. David saw that, that God would lovingly, and that's the key, would lovingly use it to correct him. See, that, the relationship that God showed to David helped David even with those sheep that he tended to. See, God didn't, God didn't beat 
David with the rod. Nor should we do that to our children. But the rod is intended to help to bring about discipline, correction in a person's life. Listen, how else could David say, the rod comforts me? Listen, there were times in my life when my dad and me had these little sessions, and it wasn't comforting while that was happening. But I, I, I'll tell you this, on the other side of it, I was glad I had a father, here's the key, that loved me enough to correct me. To show me, listen son, that's not what you should be doing. Let me help you to understand what you should be doing. See, it's not a, we, we automatically think bad things. But it, David says, thy rod, he says, it comforts me. And then he mentions not only the rod as an instrument of comfort, but then he mentions the staff. Now, you know, the staff, a lot of times, I've seen a lot of different pictures, and, you know, you never know what to believe. But I do think that a shepherd's staff had some sort of a hook on the end of it. Now, it could have just been a little bit of a, you know, kind of went like this a little bit. A lot of times you see them, and they, they do one of these numbers. I've yet to see a stick growing like that, you know, <laughs> but maybe there were some. Maybe, maybe David came across one of those, but nonetheless, there was some kind of a crook at the end of it, and what the shepherd would do is, as sheep would start to kind of wander or go their own way, they would reach out with that, with that, that, that staff, and they would actually help the sheep, kind of direct the sheep, and that's what David was saying is, he says, the reason that your staff comforts me is because God has used it in my life intimately, watch this, to keep me closer to him. See, there are times when I start to stray, I start to get off the path, I start to go a direction that I want to go instead of the way the shepherd wants me to go. And David says, you know why the staff comforts me? Because when I start to go in a direction I shouldn't go, my, my, the God that I know, he just kind of reaches out with his staff and he kind of brings me closer to it. Aren't you glad that you have a God that doesn't let you just continue going off in your own direction? That God will deal with us, you know, whom he loves, he chastens. God's, God's going to help us. And David says, that's the reason that I've been comforted is because the Lord has been keeping an eye on me. You know, sometimes as a even as, a, as, a, as an under-shepherd here at this church, God's placed me here, and from time to time, uh, there might be a member, might even be one of you, that, that, that maybe are, are doing something or going in a direction, and God puts you on my heart, and, and I, don't, I don't have a staff in my office. I don't have something with a hook on the end of it, but you know, it, might be a, it might be a text, it might be a phone call, it might be maybe just catching you in the hallway or whatever it may be, but it, that's kind of God helping me to help you to stay close to God. Look, I'm not interested in you staying close to me. I'm more interested in you staying close to God. And that's what the Lord would have for all of us. David says, look, I've gotten to know God intimately because God has used his, his rod and his staff to comfort me. The Lord, he's, he goes on to say that the Lord prepared a table for him. And I love the way that this says this. He not only prepared a, a table for David, but he did it in the presence of his enemies. Now think about that for a minute. He prepared a table for David. See, if David never had an enemy, David would have never learned how God could provide for him. Let me say that again. If David would have never had an enemy, anybody here 
have somebody that, that, listen, you might not hate them, you might not count them as an enemy, but maybe they count you as one. Anybody like that? I mean, I've had some people in my life, that's kind of how they viewed me was, you're the enemy. And, and listen, when, when, when things like that happen in our lives, God will do something that will, in David's life, it helped David to learn how God could provide for him. Look at Psalm 56 and verse 4. The Bible says, in God will I, pr- I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh or man can do unto me. Psalm 118 verse 6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do unto me. And this, this was David's sentiment. This should be ours too. Is Listen, we do what we do. We do it for the Lord. And as we walk with him and we get to know him, then what's going to happen is we won't have to fear what man can do unto us. God took David through some of the most difficult and rough times, but the whole reason that God took David through those times was to prove God's faithfulness to David. God's proven himself over and over again in my life. You know, there have been many times I have failed the Lord, but listen, through it all, he has been faithful. God's never let me down. God's never disappointed me. Look in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 12 there in your notes. The Bible says, I will walk among them and will be your God and ye shall be my people. God wants to personally and collectively, he wants us as a people to seek him, to spend time with him, to walk with him. Hey, think about the the account in Genesis, the creation account we call it. You know the story. God created the man, and, and then, of course, God created the woman. And God would come down in the cool of the day to walk with man. So when you think about this, listen, it is God's desire. One of the verses that we use a lot for revival services is the verse that I gave you in your outline there, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Look at the verse. You probably know it fairly well. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and look at these words, seek my face. That sounds to me like an intimate relationship. And if we do that, if we get intimate with God, then notice it says here, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. If we are to know God personally, then we need to spend time with him. If we have turned away from him, James writes this, draw nigh to God, and what's going to happen? He'll draw nigh to you. See, sometimes we do wander. That's why the Bible likens us to sheep, because many times we will we'll go astray. We'll, we'll head in a direction that is counterproductive for our own lives as a Christian. And so David knew God, and the question this morning is, do you know God? And and when you think about knowing him, knowing him personally and knowing him intimately. But then not only did David know God, but look at this. We know this from scripture. David loved God. You know why David loved God? Because God loved him. You know, the Bible tells us he loved us first before we ever loved him. I'm glad that God loves us. And David gives us a great example here. Look at, first of all, David loved God gratefully. Why? Because it didn't take David long to sit down and start to think about all the things God had done for him. You know, we sing that song, count your many blessings. Doesn't take long. I reminded that little church last Sunday, 
I said, listen, sometimes what we need to do is go back to the beginning and think about all the ways that God has blessed us. It doesn't take me long to figure out how blessed I am, how good God has been to us. And God heard David's voice. When David prayed to God, God heard his voice. And what God always had for David is the same thing God has for you and me. God has an abundant supply of mercy and grace. God has it for us. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter what the reason, somebody said thankfulness will lead us to thankfulness. When you start to think about God, look, don't wait till November to start thanking God for what he's done for you. Thank God every day. You know, thank God for everything he's done in our lives. Psalm 100, verse 1, look at this psalm, these verses here. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God, it is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to how many generations? To all. Did you see what the psalmist said? The Lord is what? Good. God is good all the time, right? How many of you can honestly say that in your life? God's good all the time, right? doesn't matter what we're going through. Now, sometimes because of circumstances, we start to think, well, why isn't God being good to me? So you're missing the point. God uses things in our lives, and God proves his faithfulness. And David loved God. He loved God gratefully. But notice, secondly, David loved God devotedly. Devotedly. How's your devotion towards the Lord today? Look at Psalm 116 there. Psalm 116, verse number 12. The psalmist writes, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bond. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. Did you notice a couple times how the psalmist said in just a few verses how he was going to pay his vows to the Lord? The Bible says, that it would be better to not vow a vow than to vow and to defer from it. In other words, to not keep your promise to God. See, God always keeps his word. But what do we do? Many times we break our promises that we make to God. A lot of times we have our, our teenagers, and I've done it with the men, and, and we've had a few testimonies from some of the ladies I think it's good sometimes when we get away, like teens going to camp, and our teenagers make decisions while they're at camp, and they'll come back after camp, and we'll have the teens maybe sing songs or give testimonies, or maybe time to time, maybe we've had a boy or two even preach when they come back from camp, and a lot of times what they'll do is they'll talk about decisions that they made, 
can I tell you, as adults, we ought to always encourage young people the decisions they make to keep those decisions. A lot of times I'll tell them, write those decisions down in your Bible. You know, honor those decisions that you make. But, you know, I think a lot of times as adults, we're hard on kids. And then we ourselves many times don't keep the promises that we've made, the vows that we've made. I know of a, of a preacher right now that uh, his testimony is, is that years ago God was dealing with him about being a pastor and preaching the gospel and he just kept pushing it away pushing it away and for whatever providential reason God allowed this man to do very well in business but towards the last I don't know how many years it had been God had been dealing with him again about that that vow that he had made to the Lord many years ago and then he realized the reason why he was struggling in his in his spirit was because he hadn't kept that promise that he had made to God. And God really gripped his heart about it. And, he, and then he began to think, well, I'm a lot older now. I don't really know if I can you know, go back and start pastoring and things like that. So he, he began to pray about it, and, and I guess the Lord allowed him. He started this ministry, and he, he has a lot of, of pastor friends. They started this ministry where they help young pastors that are planting or starting churches and they're using their resources their influence and finances and things like that so so he's being used of god to help other men to do what god had originally called him to do and when i think about our lives listen we need to understand that there needs to be a devotion in our lives to the lord fully devoted i love the word that you find sometimes in the Word of God, the word is holy, and it's not H-O-L-Y, it's W-H-O-L-L-Y. You know what that means? All in. Fully devoted. Uh, you think about uh, marriage and the marriage vows, the covenant that you make as a husband and wife. The Bible says, till death do us part. What God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. That means don't let man divide what God does. I'm actually going to perform a wedding right here in this auditorium at 2 o'clock today. And we've got a young couple. I led the man to the Lord. They've been attending the church here. They said, Pastor, we'd like, to, we'd like for you to marry us. I said, that'd be fine. And I was gonna, I was gonna give the announcement out to the church, but they said we just want a little simple uh, ceremony. But they've been growing in the Lord. I, I went through marriage counseling with them. They bo they had both been married before, and they had made a lot of mistakes. He wasn't even a saved man. And and listen, they've got all that right with the Lord. That's not my business. That's the Lord's business. And I'm glad that they're moving in the right direction. But I told them, I said, listen, you have to understand that this, this covenant that you're going to make, it's not just between two people, it's between you and your spouse and God. And the Bible tells us that the reason David was the man that he was is because David loved God not only gratefully, but David loved God devotedly. devotedly. Love is not just how you feel, love is what you do. Remember what Jesus said to Peter three times? Peter, do you love me? Remember what Peter's answer was? Lord, come on. You know that I love you. 
I mean, haven't I left my boat? Haven't I left my fishing? Haven't I been with you the last three and a half years? I mean, come on. I've done this, this, and this. Jesus asked him a second time, Peter, do you love me? He asked him a third time. I think he was trying to get Peter to say, look, if you really do love me, love is about what you do, serving God, being devoted to God. To say David loved God, you know what that meant? David served God. Did you hear that? Because when Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, that's what he was saying is, serve me. Peter, why are you fishing? Why did you find yourself out here Look, I know that I was crucified, but I told you that I would rise again. And here I am, the first chance you get, you went and found your depth finder in your bass boat, and now you're back out on the lake. He says, look, Peter, you told me you love me, and I said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And here you are out fishing for smelly bass. He says, why don't you serve me the way that I want you to? In other words, devotion. That's what he was trying to get across to Peter. David knew that he could never do enough in his life to repay what God had done for him. And so what does David do? He testifies publicly of the goodness of God. Hey, listen, don't be ashamed of the Lord. Don't be ashamed to tell somebody publicly. You know, sometimes I'll kiss my wife in in public and my wife will say, stop that. Listen, I don't have a problem people knowing that that's my wife and that I love her, you know? Because a lot of times she's like, that's embarrassing. You know, I'm like, hey, listen, it doesn't bother me one bit, you know? But listen, when's the last time you told someone publicly how good God has been, the goodness of God? David dedicated himself to the service of the Lord, and I love this, he offered to others the comfort that God had comforted him. You know, that's what God does. He's the God of all comfort. And the comfort that God comforts us, then God wants us to then help other people the way God has helped us. I really believe a lot of times God allows us to go through something that if we would just keep our eyes on the Lord and get to know him more intimately, that what God allowed us to go through, that God could then use that in our lives so that we can help somebody else that's going through the very same thing. That's happened so many times in our lives as my wife and myself. So David, he, he knew God personally and intimately. David loved God gratefully for what God had done and devotedly. But notice, thirdly, David agreed with God. Now, when you think about this agreement, you know, we all know the verse, 1 John 1, 9, right? That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. Now, again, you know what the word confess means? It means to agree with God. That's what it means. Look, God already knows everything about you and me. And here's the thing is, what God wants us to do is come clean. God wants us to confess. He wants us to agree with him because God already knows we're a sinner. Now, when you think about this matter of walking with God, The Bible gives us two individuals in the Old Testament in Genesis 5, Genesis 6, two men, one by the name of Enoch and the other by the name of Noah. And you know what's awesome about these two guys? The Bible says about these two individuals that they walked with God. Enoch walked with God. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Well, can I tell you, 
It doesn't say it in the Bible, but just like Enoch and Noah, David was a man who also was in fundamental agreement with God. Did you see how I just connected those two things right there? Because if you're going to walk with someone, that means that you agree with them, that you believe the same things. See, and that's, that's when it comes to this matter of walking together. David saw things as God saw them. In other words, David saw things according to the word of God. It wasn't what David wanted. It was what thus saith the Lord. See, when we think about our lives, the Bible says in the book of Amos 3.3, 3, can two walk together except they be agreed? You see sometimes maybe two individuals who used to be together, but they're no longer together. Why? Because something has happened to where they no longer agree. And so now one's walking this way and one's walking this way. Listen, they can't be together unless they're agreed. Is everybody with me this morning? Does that make sense? Same thing is true in the church. Now listen, we can't be together. We can't have the blessings of God if we're not walking together. The Bible tells us clearly that we need, we need to have one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. We need to make sure that we have, as the, the first century church, have all things common. In other words, there's a spirit of unity among us. And when I think about David here, the same is true in our lives, is we need to be agreed with God. If you're walking with someone, again, it means you're going in the same direction. So many want to argue with God. Listen, if you're arguing with God, you're not walking with Him, you're walking away from Him. Because look, God is truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth. If we're not walking with God, that means that we're not interested in the truth. And the wisest thing that a sheep could ever do is to follow the shepherd. That's the wisest thing that they could do. Look, it is a, a dumb sheep that feels like that he can handle life without the shepherd. And how foolish for us to think that we can live our lives without God. We need to be agreed with God. So notice two things about David's life that we can learn this morning. David agreed with God submissively. Submissively. Look at Psalm 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word, with my whole heart, notice there's that word again, W-H-O-L-E, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against who? Against thee, against God, right? Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. You know what that's saying right there? Is that David submitted himself to the word of God, the Bible. You know what the Bible became for David? It was his rule book. It was his guide. It was his GPS. It was, his, it was what helped David in his life. Uh, it, it was the answer key for every problem. Look, anything that you need answered in life, can I tell you the questions of life, you go to the Word of God, as we submit ourselves to God's Word, what's going to happen is we will develop more of a heart for God, but that's only going to happen when you're walking with God, knowing the Word of God. David had learned 
early in his life, and we could go back this morning and talk about those early days. Remember when they were out there and the, the Philistine was mouthing off and, and David's dad sent him out there and David submitted himself. He, he didn't argue with his daddy. He, just, he took the, the bread and the cheese and he went out there to his brothers. He submitted himself to authority. What does the Bible say in Ephesians 6.1? Look at this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. See, God expects us to act as submissive servants. Look what it says in Hebrews 13. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they which must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. So what did David do? David submitted himself to God. David submitted himself to the authority God had placed in his life. And when God told David to go, guess what David did? He went. And when God told David to stop, guess what David did? He stopped. David did everything that God told him to do. He did that in a submissive way. And our submission to God is determined by the trust that we have in the Word of God. Let me ask you this morning, can you trust God's Word? How much? All of it, right? Every word of God can be trusted. Now, I can't trust the word of man many, many times. But see, David agreed with God. He was submissive to God. And then notice David agreed with God consistently. And there needs to be a consistency in our lives. Now, look, we can't, we can't agree with God today and then decide we're going to do what we want tomorrow. There has to be a consistent walk in our lives with the Lord. Look at Psalm 119, verse 13. With my lips have I declared... All the judgments of thy mouth, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies, as much as in all riches I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Boy, it sounds to me like David's agreeing with God. God's word never changes. And you know what? Because God's word never changes, it helps us to understand God never does either. Why? Because his word is consistent as he is. God, thy word ha has been established. It is forever settled. The word of God is consistent. It is dependable. It is trustworthy. Listen, that's what the world that we live in, it changes every day. But God's word is settled. Uh, listen, can I, can I use this word describing the word of God? It's absolute. Absolute truth. It never changes, it never has, it never will. And our lives need to be based on the Word of God. And when they are, we're going to find, here's what's going to happen. You build your life on the Word of God, and guess what you're going to have? What kind of life? A consistent life. You're not going to be blown about by every slight wind of doctrine. Every time something new coming down the pike, you're not going to be chasing after it. Because your life's built on the Word of God, not on, not on CNN. Your life's built on God's Word. You think about what Jesus did when he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. Three times, what did he do? He quoted Scripture. See, there's power in the Word of God. We need to be consistent in our lives, live it based upon the Word of God. David was consistently walking with God and David was consistently talking with God. And there's no question that the combination of David knowing God and David loving God and David agreeing with God. 
were the three key elements in David's life that actually helped David to have a heart for God. So this morning, do you know God? Do you love Him? Do you agree with Him? Those are the three main issues. Because I'm confident this morning, if you know Him personally and intimately, and you love Him the way that you should, and you are in agreement with Him, then you're going to have the right kind of heart this morning. And if not, whatever area it is, listen, God loves you. And God may have to get out the rod or the staff, but the reason He'll do it is to comfort you and to help you to understand that He wants you close to Him. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to walk with you. How many of you are glad that we have a God who wants to spend time with us, right? We have a God that is a personal God, and I hope that you know Him today because I'm going to tell you something. The Lord's made all the difference in my life, and I know He has in yours too. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for this morning, for the truth of the Word of God. Lord, I thank You for the comfort that we find in how You were there for David, even during difficult times, Lord, even when the enemies were around. God, I pray that You'd help us to know You, to get to know You better in the days ahead. Lord, to love You the way You love us unconditionally. And most of all, to agree with you, to agree with everything you say, Lord, that we might be pleasing to you, that we might have the right kind of heart. And we'll thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.